delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you so much for joining us. A big show coming your way very shortly. Richard and I to catch up with Tony Delberto to talk about his great weekend in the TCR competition up at Queensland Raceway. We're also going to catch up with Rick Kelly. That's right, Mark Walker caught up with Rick Kelly. It's the first time he's spoken since he retired from supercars, the supercar, former supercar champion. He'll talk to us about his brand new project, his son, and much, much more. Look forward to hearing Mark and Rick having a chat a little bit later on. And then Mark, myself, and Richard, of course, catch up at the end of the show to wrap up what has been a big week in motorsport. So much to come. Let's get straight into it. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. Right, time to hand the show over to Mark Walker, who caught up with Rick Kelly. He caught up with him to talk about what he's been doing since he left supercars a couple of years ago. Well, now we're joined by someone who the supercars-loving public hasn't seen since Bathurst 2020. We wanted to get Lex Kelly on the show, but we'll have to settle for the very next best thing. Rick Kelly, welcome to On the Grid. (laughs) Thanks very much. Yeah, Lex is hard to get hold of, even harder than I am. (laughs) So what have you been doing with yourself since the end of 2020? Yeah, well, um, for some, I guess it's a good question. I had a couple of months there where we're just... I took it all in and um, stepped away from obviously supercars and, and a little bit the media and, and, and stuff in the process. And like I say, just, I guess, reflected on, um, you know, the, the time I had as a professional race car driver and worked out what was next. I wanted to step away at a time when I could, um, you know, still start, kickstart another career, if you like, and, and enjoy, um, you know, life beyond beyond racing so the sat and think thought about it for a little while and a couple of things sort of um i guess come come forward for me one was that i really love building stuff um so you know that will lead into what we'll talk about next with the hellbent garage but also from a construction and development point of view you know i really enjoy building things whether it's sheds houses renovating or whatever so we um as a family group we bought um a block of land some years ago that we had hoped to build into an RV park eventually. And it's a block where we'd actually gone camping on and parked our houseboat on for um, decades prior to us purchasing um, the, the block. It's on the Murray River. And so long story short, even though I've probably dragged it out to a long one, um, we started building uh, or planning to build an RV park. So I've been leading uh, that project now for um, almost 18 months. And it's been a big, a big project from the point of view of, of just planning it out because it's such a, um, a a big site it's 40 acres up the top where we're building the rv park and then um 200 acres down on the on the riverfront of the murray river so uh that's that's called trenton waters resort mildura and that's been my baby now for like i say 18 months so i've, I've loved it um the planning's a tricky one in the background getting everything right but we're at the point now where we can um you know, start to dig some holes and, and build something. So it's that, you know, that, that side of it's pretty exciting. So Hellbank Garage, I mean, we've seen yourself and Todd, like you don't mind getting your hands dirty and and building things. So what's the genesis of all this? Well, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot of fun. We do love doing things um, 
in the shed and, and making things. As we were seen, we, we started as race car drivers and ended up with Kelly Racing building things ourselves. But um, the Hellbent Garage is something that I guess I've, I built the shed with um, with my father um, probably four years ago. And then obviously the rest of the family helped out and we got it to the point where um, it is now. And uh, it's, it's really a nice environment in there to, to build different things. And when you think of a race car, everything's built with precision and engineering, you know, um, brain power behind it. And as a race car driver, you can't really touch much of that. You know, it's, it's quite high end and <clears throat> the brain power of a race car driver in that area is generally not great. <laughs> so, they ke- you know, they keep us away from that sort of thing. We, we test it and we break it and they fix it. Um, you know, so I hadn't really had a big involvement in race car um, development from the actual making things point of view, definitely from a point of view of feedback and coming up with ideas. But um, the shed for me is a chance for, for me to you know, build things myself and, and not plan them out like you would a race car, but more so, you know, grab a, an engine and a bar and, a, and some steel and a welder and just work it out and, and build it as you go. Um, and a big part of this process for me is working with Lex. He loves doing that sort of thing as well. I've taught him to weld even a couple of years ago. He loves riding motorbikes. He loves pulling things apart like me. And we've both got to work together now to, to work out how to put things back together. <laughs> We sort of saw the the shed in the background with the E-Series and when you were guiding the public through the build of that um, fairly rad sim you made yourself. You know, everyone else is building these $30,000 sims and you just made your own, which was really, really cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I worked out with the E-Series um, pretty early on that I was going to be really shit. So I thought, well, what, what can I do to make this a bit more fun through the process? And, um, yeah, got the nail gun out and the saw, and we, we made a deck chair simulator, which I think resonated with a lot of people at home and um, and progressed from there. And it was the same with, you know, the, the Lex involvement with that. He's like, yeah, this is awesome. I want my own sim. So as I upgraded the equipment um, on my sim we made lex his own sim with the old gear so that's still parked in the shed um which is built out of, out of form ply so i mean that was what was the most enjoyable thing for me in that e-series i don't like computer games that that much um when it comes to the ability to do that or the real thing i prefer the, you know the real thing or making things so that's um you know that's a good example of what the hellbank garage um you know really stands for i mean before that, you, you look back when you had your Rocket RC car that you built and um, destroyed, but you know you don't mind having a swing at some ridiculous projects, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly that. Hellbent Garage is really based around ridiculous projects, things that, that people haven't probably done before, <laughs> and for good reason. Like, why would you? <laughs> this, is, this, is, <laughs> this is a bad plan. And generally... You know, the outcome is as you'd expect. It, it, it hasn't worked or it's gone poorly, but um, I find that frustrating and I find that a challenge when we have people saying it's not going to work. It's really, really good motivation for me to, to prove them otherwise, and generally they're right. But, we'll, <laughs> you know, with the Hellgate Garage, we'll see, you know, where it ends up with these projects. And that jet car is something that um, I had a – that idea sitting around the pool in Darwin after the race event when we had to stay a couple of days with Holden to do um, some drive days and I was 19 or 20 at that point and I, I had I went and bought the Guinness World Record book and I'm like oh this is easy this will take me a couple of 
watch Saturdays and we'll, we'll have a crack at this record. And it, <laughs> it took me um, like 10,000 hours to build this remote control car <laughs> over a number of years and it cost me a lot of money and I got brands like um, Microsoft Xbox to support it, Red Bull to support it and a couple of others and we had a, an attempt. I wasn't quite ready for the attempt but it was scheduled um, you know, by, by Red Bull for a... a you know, quiet patch in their calendar and we had to quickly get it done and have an attempt and it failed. And then I started building um, that car again over a number of years. Um, and that, I think you'll, you'll find will end up forming part of the Hellbent Garage um, as one of the projects that we embark on again. Now, on Lex, 2020, it was not a good year for so many people. And I was one of the majority who were stuck at home but we at least had supercars, you know, all you guys who were on the circus took off and uh, put in the hard yards to give us some entertainment. And the absolute height of the entertainment for punters at home was Lex Kelly. You created quite a good monster there, didn't you? Yeah, well, it might have been entertaining for you, but <laughs> teaching, him to re- <laughs> teaching him to read in the back of a Ford Raptor whilst we did 22,000 Ks driving around Australia with homeschooling and his Zoom meetings and all that wasn't so much entertaining as it was um painful but yeah he's a funny he's a funny character um and 2020 was such a huge year for him um from a learning point of view and an adventure point of view um you know and you know the the (laughs) initiation to to media as well like you say with his interviews on the grid he he's really outgoing um which is quite different for me than i was at that age um but he loved the supercars interviewing that he did and he asks all the time when can he do that again you know um so the hellbent garage is probably a little bit of an outlet for him as well to get in front of the camera and also behind the camera again um so we've created in in the hellbent garage series the lex cam which you'll you'll see will feature through there where he grabs a camera and shows the the audience things from his point of view um, and that's a that's a big part of it as well. It's um, you know a chance for him to hone his skills. He loves he loves doing that. He loves trying to make his own YouTube um, you know little episodes as well. So we'll um, yeah we'll we'll give him a good go at that and see what that leads to. I mean, on that whole 2020 road trip that you did, I mean, you guys seemed to swing into it and took advantage of the situation that was put ahead of you instead of just soaking and whinging and being locked down you went out and saw australia but a part of that was that you banged out some really good content you know going up big red and some of the the trips that you did it was really good stuff yeah i i agree i mean stupid shit seems to be um something that i'm really good at <laughs> so uh when todd rang and said hey uh, you got to get out of the state um by tonight um, I was already in Mildura with the family and uh, over the New South, New South Wales side of the border in Mildura on a houseboat and I had a couple of pairs of undies in an overnight bag and that was it. So I'm like, well, I haven't got any race gear or any clothes. Um, and he's like, well, you can't come home and get back. You're, you're shit out of luck and you're going to have to um, go from there. So um, I had to get someone to break into the house, go through my undies drawer and my <laughs> uniform drawer, <laughs> which was awkward, and pack a suitcase for me, climb back out the window and braid it to Mulchura. And so we did that and I decided to take the family as well because what's the point of sending them back into Victoria 
Um, I rang Ford and asked for a loan of a Raptor, which they kindly lent me. I, I did um, get some help as well from Maverick Caravans, um, who were unbelievable at helping out with a little hybrid van that the Raptor would tow. Um, and, and away we went. We built a home, a 13-foot home away from home, and we lived in it for basically three months. Um, and, and that was the plan. I mean, bringing the Supercars Championship to life in 2020 was our aim. And, you know, alongside that for me was to make that one heck of an adventure for us. And, and, and that's what it was. Like, we look back now and go, wow, look at the things that we managed to do. We went through um, Kakadu. We did thousands of kilometres on the dirt through um, Queensland and the you know, the top of um, south, into South Australia and stuff like that through little places called Batuta and Birdsville and went to Lake Air South and stayed there. And it was just incredible. And we managed to find adventures the whole way because obviously crossing borders became a big issue and you couldn't go into this state and then that state and all the rules they put in place. So we just um, hit the road and went through, <laughs> went through dirt roads, like I say, for a long time. We got bogged in. Salt, salt lakes that we weren't supposed to be in and all, all sorts of <laughs> fun things. I was quite surprised actually that, that other drivers um, didn't take advantage of it and try and do the same thing. It was, it was quite interesting to see the different approaches to it um, and ours was not the easiest road out but it was definitely the most adventurous, most memorable and most enjoyable. So I saw there that the Hellbent name, it's not necessarily something new. It's something that dates back uh, a long time with yourself to one of your, your first little ventures there. Yeah, that's um, a you know, great thing, an exciting thing for me to talk about because when I was 19, um, I um, had the chance to start my own or created the opportunity to start my own little brand called Hellbent, Hellbent Sports. Um, and that was a little bit of the, the brainchild of myself and a a really close mate of mine, Peter Hill, who um, has done some racing. We probably might remember him from the Porsche series and the Formula Holden series um, back when I raced in 2001. And um, it started life as a as a clothing brand, or that's certainly what I aspired to create. And I got a thousand t-shirts made and took it to Bathurst in 2002 and um, got let down by a couple of people actually through that process that were going to help with with it um, and as a keen 19 year old I was very focused on you know becoming uh, a, a great supercar driver was sort of my aspiration so the t-shirt business on the side was just something to build and grow alongside that so I didn't have complete focus on that my focus was you know, primarily on the driving. So when it came to turning up the tracks and selling things, I needed to rely on others. Um, and I didn't have the budget to do that at that point. I had to extend my first home loan that I that I had to buy everything. Um, and then it didn't go well at all. I didn't sell many shirts and then I needed to try and sell them at the future events. And the, the person that said that they were going to bring the T-shirts to places like Gold Coast, um, uh, <laughs> Forgot to bring the palette of t-shirts there. That happens. <laughs> so I had, I had promo, promo girls brochures and all that ready to go to sell at Gold Coast, uh, at that IndyCar event, and uh, there was no shirt. So, yeah, I mean, and that's rookie errors at, on my part as well. So it didn't go so well for me um, because I was trying to lead that program as well as um, – as a secondary thing to my driving. So from there, I sold off the shirts in a lot of different ways, um, decided not to invest in that financially any more than I had through, um, you know, like I say, the focus on racing. And then from there, I kept the Hellbent brand going and used that as the 
the company that I um, uh, worked with on all my personal sponsorship and, and um, personal ambassadorships from there on. So, you know, things like the you know, at that point, the Holden HSV deals, the BNT model cars deals, Kmart deals, and all those sorts of um, partnerships that I had have, have worked in those days with um, the Hellbent brand and then, you know, through all, all the way through my career until the end, that was very much um, Hellbent and Hellbent Sports that brought all of those um, partnerships to life, including the Aston Martin program at the Bathurst 12 hour that was run by Hellbent Sports. And then as I built the shed, I, I named that Hellbent Garage. So yeah, the Hellbent brand for me has been around for um, over 20 years. There you go. So uh, where can we find the Hellbed Garage Series? Uh, well, the Hellbed Garage Series is going to be across my social platforms and um, the, the longer episodes uh, will be on, on the Hellbent Garage YouTube channel. So um, that's definitely the best place to find it is on YouTube and I'll, I'll try and share as much as we can as well through, um, through my Facebook the Rick Kelly Facebook page and the Rick Kelly Instagram page as well. So, um, Castrol have obviously been a huge part of my um, career. You know, way back to 2003, Bathurst wins um, was, and, and then obviously towards the end of my career, having the, the chance to be the um, Castrol racing driver in, in the um, Castrol car. And uh, those guys have, have got on board and made this possible. Without them, it'd still be a silly idea in the in their shed. Uh, in Melbourne that no one would get to see and they've helped me bring that to life. So it'll also be, I think, on the Castrol Racing uh, social pages as well. Awesome. Well, it's good to hear your voice again. Good to have you back on the scene and thank you for joining us here on The Grid. Thanks for letting me have a chat about it. It's exciting. Let's see where it, where it goes. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. All right, as he always does, joining me off the top of the program for a chat with one of our great Australian racing drivers, Richard Crail. Hello to you. Uh, I don't consider myself a great Australian racing car driver, Tony. No, but no, I no. Appreciate you always join me off the top of the show with okay. a great Australian racing driver. I see where you're going. And we've got someone today that fits that bill, Shebex, yeah. after a brilliant weekend at Queensland Raceway. It certainly was a win on Queensland Raceway and a nice little handy lead in the series uh, points as well. Tony Delberto joins us after driving his Honda to victory over the weekend. Hello, TD. Hey, boys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on board, mate. You must have a well. You have. I can see you've got a smile from ear to ear. It's still there. <laughs> oh man, it was a fantastic weekend for the team, myself, um, everyone that's sort of been on this journey for the last couple of years, and um, to do it in you know the style we did on the weekend, I couldn't be happier. So and at a really crucial time of the championship too. So. Um, yeah, it was just a great weekend, so absolutely wrapped. We'll come to the championship race in a minute because it's one of the more compelling in the sport this year in terms of how competitive it is and how many uh, competitors there are fighting for that crown. But I think everyone was a bit surprised when we got to that point of you winning on Saturday and everyone went, oh, this is his first win in the category full stop. Because you've sort of been present along the journey since the opening round of TCR, but were you a bit surprised it took this long to get that maiden victory out of the way? I don't know if I'm surprised. I mean, there's been lots of opportunities along the way that haven't worked out for various reasons. Not like we've, we haven't been near the front or um, in contention. Um, but yeah, it took way too long. There's no doubt about that. 
So uh, to finally get the monkey off my back was, was a relief. I mean, you know, I, I do represent some amazing brands uh, on, on the Honda, you know, Honda Australia themselves. And, you know, that does come with a little bit of added pressure. So um, to finally get a couple of race wins for those guys that um, support me so much um, was just awesome. And Tony, it's a, a great category in regards to the fact that there's a good mix of older folks who have been around for a while, younger folks who are coming through, the cars are fairly equal in the way that they go around. And it's just a, a good, easy category to watch. It's very competitive. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I was actually looking at some photos from the weekend on the podium and young Jay Hansen, who looks about 12. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Zach next to me as well, who's, you know, early 20s. So um, I look like a, I look at the older, uh, older gentleman in the photo. But um, yeah, it's got that good mix of a few guys like myself, Moff, Caruso, uh, that have been around supercars for a while. Uh, and then this new sort of crop of young drivers that are you know, extremely fast. Um, absolutely no doubt about that. Um, they're probably more willing to take a bit more risk than I am. Um, but they, they're racing at a really high level. And I've always said like TCR um, is you know, quite tough racing. Um, and I've had to step up my game in that sprint sort of format to try and uh, match some of these young guys because a lot of my racing now is uh, endurance style you know it might be the 12 hour it might be the 1000 and you know once you get into your stint it's sort of like uh, you be consistent you don't make mistakes but you're not really trying to get the last tenth of a second out of it uh, whereas in TCR you have to if you if you're leaving anything on the table um, you're going to be nowhere so that's that's been a, an adjustment um, and it hasn't come an easy either, either so we've had to work at it what was the the magic ingredient that, that meant everything came together for you on the weekend? Because it was a pretty comprehensive weekend as far as TCR racing goes. So pole position, two wins, um, charged your way through to fifth in the reverse top 10 race, which was a great drive. So what what clicked? What was it that just worked at Queensland Raceway for you and the, the wall racing Honda? Uh, we did a test day prior to the event. Uh, it's something that we haven't done a lot of in TCR. I think we, we did a couple of test days in the first year, but we haven't done any since. Um, there's been a new tyre um, coming to the category and there's a few things that we wanted to try. And basically, you know, we s- sat down as a team and said, what do we need to do here to improve? Um, we're winning the championship, but not on pure speed or results really. Um, and one of the things that the team asked me was, you know, we, we need to do a test day and figure out a few things. And I think that just, Although I don't know if we, we found raw speed, but we went into the weekend, um, you know, with, with, I had my eye in, you know, we had a really good setup for the car because those weekends, you had two 30-minute sessions and you don't have a lot of time um, before qualifying. And I think that just sort of set us up for the weekend. You know, we were able to qualify well. The Hondas are good off the line um, and we're able to, you know, really maximise it. So I think the test day helped a lot. Um, it's not like we've found one particular thing in the car. Suddenly we were an absolute jet. Um, we're definitely a little bit probably, um, you know, we, we, under, we understand the tyre a little bit better now. So um, I think that's helped. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't say suddenly we're going to be winning every single round. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Very hard to do in a BOP category as well. You mentioned your starts and they were great and all the Hondas got off the line well. Are they particularly difficult to launch a, a front-wheel drive car? Uh, the, the clutch is quite vague. It's, it's basically a road car clutch. So there's not a lot of feel there. 
And I'm so used to a rear-wheel drive car that off the line, you can sort of load the clutch and feel the car squat. Um, you don't really get that sensation in the in the front-wheel drive car or in the TCR car. Um, so, I mean, we did a couple of practice starts on the test day because I haven't actually been that happy with my starts. Um, and, and I think, you know, we definitely nailed it on the weekend. There's no doubt. Uh, old mate, Michael Caruso, give his Ashley with Motorsport, tried their hardest to get him back out for race three, but just didn't happen. Yeah, I felt so sorry for Michael. I mean, he's had a really rough year. Uh, nothing's gone right for him. And he had that race in the bag. Like, he'd done all the hard work, yeah. bending off Will Brown. Uh, he, he basically was cruising to the end. And, um, like, getting towards the end of the race there, he was starting to drop a little bit of oil in that sort of turn four, turn five section. And one lap I went through there and I, you know, I saw a bit of a glimmer, like a glisten on the track. And I thought, oh, that's, that might be a bit of oil. And the very next lap, I fired it off at turn five. Like he, he was just getting worse and worse. Uh, and then another lap in the, in the car had, um, had stopped for him. So, yeah, I felt really sorry for him because he, he deserves a win as well as, as, as all of us because he's just had such a rough year. Like every five minutes, that thing has had a problem or he's been crashed out when he's you know qualified well. It's just, uh, it's, it can be heartbreaking at times. Motorsport's a cruel game, isn't it? Uh, so championship, Sandown to go, and then Bathurst for the season finale at the Bathurst International, which is going to be great fun. You've got a nice lead now relative to what it was before because coming into Queensland, I think there were 13 drivers covered by about 115 points and um, your particularly strong weekend and everyone else sort of pinching points from each other at QRs helped your cause to no end. So... I feel like in this series, you can never breathe easy, but you've got no. the biggest margin that there's been all season long. So it must give you just a little bit of a, a smile, I suppose, going into Sandown. Oh, it def- I mean, I'm trying to enjoy the moment because these, these sort of race weekends don't happen very often. So we've got six weeks until Sandown, so I can afford to have a couple of weeks of just, you know, uh, lapping it up and enjoying what we've just achieved. Um, but yeah, definitely Sandown's going to be a tricky one because of the success uh, ballast, I guess, we're going to carry going in there. And um, so, you know, it's not going to be as easy, but I'm just not the type of driver or athlete that will predict or say, well, yeah, we got it in the bag now. I'm pretty cautious. And um, until I cross the line at Bathurst, um, if we're in that great position to win the championship, then I'll think it's all real and, you know, we've done the job. But you just... You know, a couple of bad races and it can all turn around again. So, um, you know, we, we've just got to keep pressing on. And and it feels, mate, like such a good year for TCR as a category. And, and it feels like it's come of age, I suppose. And yes, it's been interrupted by COVID in 2020 and a little bit last year as well. We had to, to duck and weave to get the season in. But just the, the level of competition, the teams involved and, and the depth of the field... Does it feel to you that this has been a really important year for the category as a whole to establish itself as a player in the, the motorsport scene here? I think it's definitely um, being considered now as something serious for young drivers as a, as a bit of a stepping stone to sh- showcase what they can do. Um, and as I mentioned before, it's seriously tough. I mean, I, I got asked before Queensland, you know, who's your main rival? And I honestly don't have a main rival in the category. I just, exactly. And, and, you know, with the BOP and and all that, you don't really know who you're going to be fighting on that particular weekend. And it's proven this year that there's been that many different race winners and podium results for various drivers that it's not as clear cut as what it was 
perhaps in the first year where Will Brown sort of dominated uh, and then we had Chaz come in and dominate. Um, this year's been, you know, there's been a lot more drivers that have shared the success. So, um, and then you've got all those GRM guys that are super quick, you know, Dylan O'Keefe or Jordan Cox, someone that I admire a lot is Aaron Cameron. Mm. Um, they're just really handy steerers that, you know, we'll, we'll look back in, you know, we'll, we'll um, you know, in 10 years time, these guys are going to be in supercars and they're going to be the guys to beat there. I have no doubt about that. So um, it is a great stepping stone, a great category, and it is getting momentum. And you have a look on the weekend, you know, with all the categories you had at, at Queensland Raceway, it was awesome what viewing for people coming to watch car racing. You know, the only thing that was missing was S5000, to be honest. Yeah. That's if there's any supercars left. Everyone seems to be selling out their shares, if you read <laughs> what you read in all the stories. Uh, but no, I'm sure there will be. Uh, speaking of supercars, they do head to Sandown before uh, TCR do next. Uh, do you get a co-driver's session there before Bathurst? Yeah, so I'll get a chance to taste the car again um, in a few weeks there, which I'm, I'm looking forward to because I actually missed the recent test day up in Queensland um, because my son had COVID. And... Uh, the test day was like in a couple of days and I, I just, I spoke to the team and they said, look, let's just not take the risk because it was right before Townsville. Mm-hmm. Uh, and luckily because about three days later I had COVID myself. Mm-hmm. So I haven't done a lot of driving or meaningful driving in the supercar this year. I've done a couple of ride days. So it'd be good to have the session to myself uh, and just get a taste of where the car's at. Um, those guys have been going pretty good. Um, obviously that championship's as tough as ever. Um, but this time of year, as a co-driver, you sort of don't get a lot of running. So it's nice that they've brought back a co-driver session at a race meeting because we sort of haven't seen that for a little while. So we'll do that. And then we're going to ride down the Monday as well. And then one more test day prior to the Bathurst 1000. Seventh year with Dick Johnson Racing with the Shell V-Power cars. So it must feel like a comfortable environment for you to come back into and sort of be like putting on old shoes, I suppose, every time you go back there for the Enduros. Yeah, I mean, I love the team. I, I love the environment. You know, it's just obviously they're great cars, but uh, just the, the guys that work, the guys and girls that work there, uh, they're like family to me now. Um, and I would I would love more than anything to get another podium for those guys at Bathurst. And, you know, to win the race would just be absolutely epic. Uh, but, you know, obviously that's a, that's a very tough task, um, that one. But, um I, I do feel like they're family, but it's, it's so cutthroat that you've, you've really got to perform. You've got to, uh, every year, you've, you've got to do a good job. Otherwise, you, you know, you, your job is at risk and, um, and that's the way it should be at that sort of level. So I, I don't know, to be honest, how I've survived seven years. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the longest standing DJR driver uh, yeah. going around. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a nice little um, feather in my cap. And like I said, I love love the team and love the group. So on that then, Tony, you, you say you've got to perform and you do you, to keep your seat, you do. Is that getting harder to do with the the less time you're having in the car now with the, the better quality co-drivers that are coming through and all that sort of stuff, like, you know, retired well, supercar drivers and the like? Is it making it harder to actually perform your best? Well, I don't know if it's making it harder to perform my best. Oh, but sorry, yes, I'll right. be but... the yeah, to get a result. I think, uh, yeah. I think uh, you're right. I mean, Jamie Winkup's a co-driver, for God's sake. Yeah, <laughs> well, Fabian, uh, who you drove with for, yeah. for four Fabian. years. 
Mm. Exactly. So, you know, those guys that are fresh out of it, there's no doubt they'll be, you know, very in tune with it all. But I've actually surprised myself probably the last couple of years that, you know, we still remain really competitive. And um, I've been really happy with the stints that I've done in the car. And I think probably the reason I've been able to stick around so long at DJR is, I really value the position that I'm in. I don't try and go in there and, and take over from Anton or Will or undermine anybody. I'm absolutely wrapped with my position as co-driver. Um, but that's why I do TCR. That's why I do other racing to make sure I'm uh, as race fit as I can be because you you really can't replicate the miles. Um, you know, you might be running marathons or doing whatever, but it's not seat time. And I think the TCR stuff has, has sharpened me up quite a bit. My final one, TD, is just about your team in Super Cheap Auto TCR. I, I feel like sometimes wall racing probably don't get the kind of acclaim that they perhaps deserve uh, of the group of professional teams outside of the Supercar Championship. And there's the, the Sonics and the Ballins in Melbourne and the McElroys up in Queensland and all these great teams, but Wally just goes about his business much like he does his driving, almost flying under the radar a little bit. And yet this year, remarkably successful in everything they're touching. Class win at the, what well, class success at the 12 hour that, that you were part of. Um, strong season in TCR. Wally's killing it again in Carrera Cup in both classes. So just to speak a little bit about that team and, and how they go about their business and keep producing these results against a, across a, a broad spectrum of categories. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. And I think um, like Wally's team is probably no frills team. You know, we don't um, have all the glitz and glamour of some of the other teams, but there is a huge focus on going fast and getting results. And they're just really hungry for it. Um, I, I know, you know David Fife, my engineer, he's pushed me really hard in TCR to try and extract more out of me and the car and, and you know, uh, my driving and my approach to it all. Um, so th- I think this, the hunger for success really does show through and also their, their preparation. Um, you know, touch wood. Got a touch wood somewhere here, boys. Um, <laughs> He's got a big but, marble uh, table that he's sitting at. Yeah, that's, that's so good. That's no, no good. Um, you know, touch wood, we had you know, great reliability in the Honda. Uh, same with the Lamborghini that we raced at the 12-hour. Um, you know, and like you said, he's he, he prepares cars in, in Port Carrera Cup that run at the front every time. So mm. um, they're a great little group. They're, they're a tight-knit group. And I think one, you know, you even look at what they're doing in Trans Am with, uh, you know, Brooksy, yep. you know, they hadn't uh, done Trans Am before, no experience. And, you know, they're preparing a car and running near the front of that field every time. So, yeah, great group of guys. I feel like I'm part of the team, even though uh, I, gave, I gave Wally heaps of crap for not coming to Queensland Raceway <laughs> and we had our best results. So I banned him for the rest of the year. So ban Wally, but your family have to come now to every round, yeah. surely. I think that's more expensive, actually. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> Two kids. We, we actually had a um, we had a little holiday prior to uh, the round up in Noosa. Mm. At, at, we stayed at Fabs's uh, little holiday house. And, uh, you know, we had, had a great weekend, obviously. And I started to think what that would cost me every single round to do that. <laughs> like what, how much was that going to add to the yearly budget? Uh, taking the family up there, you know, week's accommodation, um, yeah, I don't know if I can afford it, but um, Steph reckons that she's uh, a bad omen, but I think um, she doesn't anymore. So it's great to have the kids there and, and Steph over the weekend. I'm actually surprised Fabs didn't charge her. 
they did. But oh, yeah. I did. Oh, there you go. <laughs> mates rates. It was, it was mates rates, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a racing car driver. Of course he did. It was definitely an invoice. No, well done, mate. It was yeah. a, a super weekend. Congratulations, not just on the, the first race win, but the round win and also you, you extending the margin in the championship, which was great to see. So it's going to be a big finish to TCR Australia this year. Certainly will be, boys. Uh, fingers crossed I can uh, pull her off. Yep, exactly right. Tony Alberto joining us here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right, Krause joining us for a chat. As always, Mark Walker for theracetalk.com. Hello, Mark. Tony Shebecki, Richard Crowell. How are you? Did you motor race on the weekend? Yeah, we did. I went and did some Todd Road for the City of Melbourne titles. That was fun. Nice. Some go-karting. Those guys are pretty, guys and girls are pretty serious. My word. Absolute it was a Queensland coach. state like go karting championship round on the weekend as well. At the That's same right. time, yep. we were at Queensland Raceway and just driving past that setup in and out. There, there are more serious get ups in that paddock than there were in the Shannon's slash speed series paddock at QR. Like, like if they're concerned about supercars drivers racing at the Shannon's meets. They should be concerned about the the supercars drivers fronting up to these go-kart mates because it was half the grid were there. Mm. It was ridiculous. They were all having a chop. Mm. Oh, they weren't necessarily driving, but they're all in there having a, having a go with all their friends. So it was good. And then, of course, all the uh, ex-supercar drivers who have their kids doing it now. Yes, well, poor old uh, Garth Tander spent much of his weekend on the phone mm. liaising back to Tander Sport which was operating at the city of Melbourne titles with Leanne at the helm, perfectly capable team manager slash driver coach. Without a doubt. There, no doubt. But uh, yeah, Garth was busy with GT commitments at Queensland Raceway. But yeah, and one of many, I know, keeping a, a very close eye on things, which was uh, fantastic. Uh, you were at Queensland Raceway, as you said, Richard. We all just had a chat to Tony Alberto about the uh, TCR gig. Uh, what else happened up there? A cracking race meeting for starters and just over 13,000 people announced as the event attendance. And I 100% believe that it was by far and away the best crowd for anything outside of a supercars round. I've seen it at that joint and really, really good turnout. And the best thing about it was one of QR's underlining strengths is the ability to just back the car up to the fence and watch from the boot or the hatch or wherever it might be. And, and that was the theme. Uh, they, they've changed some of the access to the venue for punters as far as where they park and where they drive in and things like that as part of the improvements that TQ's been putting in place there. And um, it was all really smoothly run, that side of things, which was great. And, and the access was very, very good. So, yeah, great vibe as an event. The weather played ball for the 99% of it, which was even better. And the on-track product, it was hard to find a dud category out of everything mm. that happened there. Um, you know, some of the stuff that didn't get shown on TV, like Radical Cup was very, very competitive. Their 250-minute yep. races were fantastic. The production car fight in the night wasn't a thriller, I'm told. I wasn't able to stay for it, but it was still a pretty good field of production cars and enjoyable. So just a great re- weekend of racing and something for everyone, just just a different form of category. As, as Tony said, the only thing that wasn't there was an open wheel class, but it made up for it in the, the breadth and depth of everything else that was going on. I had a couple of uh, guys come up to me because I was obviously at Sydney Motorsport Park on the weekend and they said, we're a little bit disappointed with what's happening up in Queensland this weekend. And I said, what are you talking about? They said, well, we wanted to watch the production cars 
and the fight in the night, the three-hour night race. It's been a staple of everyone's diet in production cars for so long, but they weren't allowed to live stream it due to the effect that it was something to do with because ARG have the stand contract, of course, with the, with all their stuff, that there wasn't allowed to be another camera crew come in to do the live streaming of the production car. So there, there were people that were a little bit annoyed that they weren't able to watch it at all. No. Well, one, uh, that race has never, ever been streamed once in its existence. Uh, I, I wouldn't have thought so. Ever. Yeah. And I can speak with some authority on that. Two, uh, no. Stan bought the rights to that product. Yeah. So they have, you know, they've exchanged money. It would be the same as Fox and or Seven saying no to someone wanting to come in and film a production car race that was on a supercar program. Um, that's not the way media rights work, unfortunately. And and I would have loved to have seen that race on TV. And I, that race out of any other production race in this country outside of the Bathurst Six Hour has the biggest potential to be something good for production car racing. Yeah. Uh, well, one, well, one of the guys went to links to explain to me the difference between the six hour for production cars and that actual race saying that there's actual cars in production cars, Australian production car series that don't qualify, I think, for the six hour race. No, that's not. Or correct. something or the other way around. Anyway, yeah. it's a separate podcast <laughs> that no one would listen to talking about the rules of production car racing. Yeah, true. No, that's just the way it is, Shebex, but um yeah, I, I don't really have an answer for you, except that TV rights uh, are king in professional sport. There were some good highlights from the weekend. Uh, for mine, Jack Johnson. Mm. That was a bit of a coming of age there, wasn't it? Because everyone's going, oh, well, he's just a shoe-in to uh, DJR Supercars Drive. But it's like, no, he's got to go and earn it. And that was the first step in earning it there in the weekend. He's still very young, but the more he's doing with his Trans Am stuff, the better he's becoming. And he stuck it absolutely to Brody Kostecki there in the weekend. Yeah, which was great. And it got a massive roar from everyone there when it happened. That Queensland parochialism when there's a Johnson <laughs> involved is still very much a thing, yeah. which is great. Uh, and it was so good to see Dick and Jilly out there too. They were out there both days watching their their grandson on, which was just so, so How cool. How was the interview with Stubbsy when Dick's uh, like, oh, I'm a bit nervous, mate. Just go away, will you? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, Stubbsy got some cracking interviews actually over the weekend. He spoke to um, Madeline Stewart racing in Sprint Challenge, her 83-year-old grandparents were over from New Zealand, oh, and he, he spoke to both of them on the, the Sunday morning in the Enduro Cup race, and they were fantastic as well. So, no, there was a lot of that around, a really good family vibe. But, yeah, your, your point about Jet, I, I think that was a, a most impressive weekend of his young career so far because it was against all the heavy hitters, national level at a circuit he knows really well and has got that experience at whereas some of the other tracks he's still learning and, and building that knowledge and he raced with the big with the big guns and you know he raced and beat Brody Kostecki who's been on the podium in supercar races one yeah, the week races. before so exactly correct so I thought that was a huge drive from Jet really impressive no, that's fantastic I was of course as I said down at Sydney Motorsport Park Formula Ford that was a great weekend for those guys James Fizik uh, did extremely well clean sweep won all three races. Jude Barguana, though, took pole. So great to see Jude. I reckon Jude's as tall as if you put the Barguana brothers on each other's shoulder. <laughs> He's a you, big boy. You still only get to about four feet five. <laughs> <laughs> We're Harry He's a and big Jason. boy compared to dad and uncle. Contrasting, uh, and also contrasting weekend, Shebex for the Barguanas, though, with uh, young Benjamin having a bit of a barry yeah. in the TCR car, unfortunately. 
Yeah, it happens. Uh, Ryder Quinn coming third for the round as well. So, of course, he's the grandson of Tony Quinn. And uh, uh, Tony's been released, hasn't he, from hospital and all that sort of stuff? Uh, probably not my place to comment on where that's yeah, actually okay. yeah, I think it, it was but, reported today. Yeah, it was reported, been... I think, today that he has been released. Yeah, or, or, he, or he still, out. I think we can say he's still spending time there, though, and okay. we'll do for yeah. some time. Yeah, okay. But, uh, yes, I was great to see Ryder up there as well. Uh, Valentino Astuti, second in the championship. Uh, that gap now has got a lot bigger between him and James Fizzik because he had it off in race two, was second. Uh, yeah, they had they had a safety car period. So the, the actual race went a lap probably longer than what it may have, but they allowed it to happen. And then on that final lap, Unfortunately for Valentino, locked it up on turn one, went off and uh, finished 16th for the race, so no points. So that's going to hurt his uh, championship standings. It was great to have that. It was great to have uh, the formula category there, which uh, New South Wales, the state category of New South Wales have brought in this new category called formula racing. And it's got, uh, they had formula a formula hold in there. They had uh, the rebirth of formula four to an extent. And I'm writing a story. For the race talk. Yes, oh, I am. Uh, after having a chat to Adam Gotch about the rebirth of Formula 4 here in Australia and why he's doing it and how he's doing it and what it's all for. So watch for, for that in the next couple of days. Uh, but, yeah, great on AGI to uh, to utilise their four Formula 4 cars that they've got and the two that they've just purchased from a team over in England because all their Formula 4 cars are now going full halo. So all the old Formula 4 Miguel cars are... Uh, effectively no use to him anymore. So they want to pick up a couple of, uh, cheaply, which was good for Adam. But uh, yeah, so there was that uh, RX-8 Cup. Uh, John Bow, of course, was there. Didn't win, but uh, was probably top four, top five in, in most races. Did a, a great job there. And it was just a good, good uh, round. Four races on the Sunday of the Supercars. They didn't race on Friday, Saturday. Didn't see them at all, but they've just rocked up on the Sunday and done four races. And they're pretty cool as well. There probably has to be a steward's inquiry into why John Bow didn't win. What's going on there? <laughs> oh, I'm sure it wasn't John. I'm sure it was maybe the car was at 100%. I don't know, but he just didn't win. No, it was good stuff. The the QR, you know, it was a great telecast. It was good to watch that throughout the weekend. It's just good company to have it there for 12 hours during your weekend. You can, uh, you know, take in so many different classes. And you're right, Rich, the racing was really good. And, QR's that sort of track where you've got long straights into tight corners and you can overtake. And because it's all a bit of a compromise, you know, mistakes happen. So you're mm. able to make moves. Mm. I, I think as an industry, we need to do a better job of talking up that racetrack. And is it the most inspiring layout that's ever been created? No. Could they have done more? Sure. But uh, I think it's incumbent on us to sell its virtues and I would use last weekend as an example of why it's good because it didn't matter what kind of car it was, whether it was a, a prototype with lots of downforce, a cup car, a production car, GT3 race car or a TCR car, the racing was good yeah. across the board. And for every Mount Panorama, you need to have a QR. You need to have a simple bull ring that just promotes elbows out door-to-door -door, great racing i thought the gt3 racing on the weekend in, in gt world challenge australia was great despite the fact there are only 12 cars which was very disappointing but the the racing itself was sensational and gt3 cars often don't produce the world's best motorsport because of the amount of aero and downforce they've got and they can't follow and things like that but 
it was genuinely entertaining racing and the circuit contributed an enormous amount to that. So I, I think we need to reassess the nature of QR and, and now, and we'll come to this bit later on, that now it's got the facility to back up the on-track product. Uh, that's that's even more, makes it even more enticing a place to, to go more often. How are those prototypes? Because I sort of commented yeah, at the legit. time, it's like, well, this is fake. This is like the moon landing here. No, legit. No. Anyone who has had anything to do with Jason Macris <laughs> or JP Drake or Phil Hughes will know that they were driving at 130% of 100. They were yeah. ragging those cars. Yeah. Well, when they, they clatter into each other at the final turn of the race. Correct. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's world championship. Absolutely. Disappointing that the field wasn't big. Again, and, and they will have a bigger grid when they roll out at the bend for their next round. But... Um, some of the radicals were cross-entered. The radicals finished quite early Sunday morning for their final race and packed up and went home. So they lost six cars out of their field, which was a shame. But at the same point, it's nice that they can have that that cross-entry between the two sports car categories. Yeah, really good racing though. And between a, a different group of cars and you know different powertrains and different styles and things like that. And a young guy like Ricky Capo going up against someone like, you know, a good AM driver, like a... a a Jason Macris or a JP, really good fun. Great, great racing, thoroughly enjoyable. And um, and just a word for TCR as well, Shebex. I, yeah. I thought, I thought the weekend was just a really mature show from that category. And, and it was exactly what TCR needed to be. Mm. Bit of boxing on, bit of door to door, entertainment. It was a quality weekend for TCR racing, I felt. And full credit to the guys and girls within it for, for putting on the show they did. I, I thought that, that was the weekend we thought we'd get when QR first went. We first went to QR with TCR in 2019. I think everyone was fired up going, oh, this place is going to absolutely suit these cars. And it was a bit of a flat weekend. But this year it delivered 100% and really entertaining stuff uh, across their three races. I mentioned Formula Ford. Of course, their champion from last year was Thomas Sargent. He had a pretty good weekend up there as well, didn't he, QR? Yeah, in the Porsches. Really impressive job by that young bloke and and he and the young kiwi ryan would continue to box on and, and they spent the 40 lap jim richards enduro race on sunday nose to tail though never more than a second apart but mm. it was a good return of serve for young tom after a, a challenging opening weekend had his pockets picked a couple of times at sydney motorsport park it's a ripper championship sprint challenge i'm ridiculously biased towards it of course but it's just such good racing it really is all the way through the field it is, and if we work our way back, there's so many uh, six degrees of separation. Cameron Hill, of course, runs the team that Thomas Sargent works for, and there was some good news for Cameron. He's uh, got his enduro drive all done and dusted for Bathurst. Yeah, no, yeah. that's good. A um, few young drivers getting their gigs, which is uh, nice to see. Cam deserves a go, I reckon. I think mm. it was might have been a bit hard done by in that whole wild card from Triple Eight where they went with Declan, but, you know, six for one, half a dozen the other, but it's good that he's finally able to get himself on the grid. And there won't be any pressure there, I don't think, down at the premier end of the grid. You know, there'll be a lot of eyes on Declan lining up with Lounsey, but the pressure will be off with Cam and Chris Pither. You know, what a, they're capable of dragging a result out of it. If the car's good enough, that those guys will be able to pedal it hard and, you know, back into the top 10's a possibility. Yep, very much so. And uh, Jaden O'Jaden, of course, uh, has also been given a drive with Todd Hazel. Jaden was at uh, SMP doing some driver coaching with some young New South Wales uh, Formula Ford drivers, and he was pretty aesthetic about that as well. 
Yep, Shabit needs to deliver, doesn't he? The juice this year. He had a pretty good wild card campaign with Walkinshaw and Andretti United this season. So yeah, it hasn't been his favourite track, has it? Bathurst has no, just bit him on the bum a couple of times. No, totally. And yeah. and this this year needs to perform, and and he'll be in pretty solid machinery. You know, Matt Stone's cars haven't traditionally been well beaters at Mount Panorama over the last couple of years, but they've had one of those up and down seasons and it could be a place where they go and actually be quite quick with, with Todd and, and Jack LeBrock behind the wheel. So yeah, big pressure on them to, um, to do the job and, and to bring home a, a strong result. And you know, that that's the kind of combo that if they can produce a solid driving performance, yeah. the way that race plays out, they could be top 10 by the end of the day. But oh, I, I just still can't get my head around how WAU lose the race again this year. Cause they've got, uh, they, they have to have the two best driver combos now, surely with um, Chaz and Fabian and, and yeah. Nick Perkat almost guaranteed a Bathurst podium because he's got Warren Luff alongside him, <laughs> surely. Yeah, pretty good when you can lose Lee Holdsworth and you get Fabian Coulthard mm. as a... And we spoke to Tony Dalberto before about that, uh, the opportunities now is, as co-drivers and that the co-driver list is just so jam-packed of just good talent. You could run a supercars race of co-drivers and it'd be an entertaining race. Well, we'll get that next week at Sandown, Shebex, because well, we the co-drivers cup is back. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's going to be the world championship. I, I'll put my money on old Garth Tander based on the way he drove at the weekend. The first race meeting of the year. So I hadn't been in a race car for, well, in a competitive situation for seven months and a week and uh, jumped in and was very, very good in that uh, Audi R8 and and comfortably as quick as SVG was in the uh, the Triple Eight AMG GT3, so really good performance. So Garth is clearly as sharp as he's ever been, and uh, yeah, it just once again proves how dangerous that um, Garth and SVG combo is in the '97. Yeah, well, that's right. SVG's in that race, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Right. yeah. You just won't see him. That's all. Well, no, I can probably make Garth all the heavy lifting. I would have thought he'd have the day off. <laughs> no, no doubt. Uh, what else has been happening? What, what, what are we making about all this? And I did flippantly mention earlier on about the uh, the share situation and the ownership situation of race and ARG and supercars. Oh, Shebex, it just uh, it, it's it was the talk of the paddock again at QR on the weekend, yeah. and obviously that was from the but you'd expect it would be the ARG side. Yeah, look, it is what it is. Um, it's uh, go and listen to. The Castrol Motorsport News podcast, The Sleuth, and uh, Stefan and AVL will probably do a better job of explaining it than I would. So it just, it, it's motorsport politics at their finest with a bunch of people with a lot of money who control the destiny of our sport are arguing over who has the most control. And that's fine. Um, I suppose the my only question out of it to you guys would be, does it have the potential to harm the sport? Uh, no, well. Or is it all just backdoor off, back, back off of stuff that, you know, Shouldn't really bother anyone. I, I think the moment that it starts affecting what happens in front of our eyes on camera or as the on-track product is when people will work out that yeah. they need to pull their heads in and find a solution. But right now, there, I, there was nothing on the weekend that indicated to me that it had influenced that at all, and I can't see why it would at Sandown either. Has the ownership of supercars ever affected what happens on the track? Well, I don't think so. Has it? Oh. I, I I can't remember a time. More, more race that, format, it's it's only owners, improved it. Having said that, though, the owners have always had a big slab of that ownership, so it was in their interest to make sure it didn't affect. But even, even stuff track. like race formats and things like that—that's commission territory, yeah. not ownership. Yeah. So, hundred yeah. percent. It's uh, that, so that's why be. that's why there's these layers of interference in between ownership and management, yeah. 
um, to remove that sort of dictatorial element out of it, to stop one person going, oh, this is what we're going to need. We're going to turn Bathurst into a 10-lap sprint race rather than a 161K enduro or something stupid like that. <laughs> yes. 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 Uh, where do we go? Indy cars? Oh, if we have to. <laughs> if we have to. What a great finish. Uh, yeah. Was... Tainted by a lot of weather and all that sort of stuff and a couple of crashes towards the end, but she was a, got pretty exciting. Oh, look, it was, but it's a, just a rubbish track, Shebex. It's got yeah. a few it great elements. Me. but It, it really scares it, me. It's so the, tight. The bridge is epic, but it just that place just lends itself to uber congestion shunts like we had on the weekend, and half the field DNF'd, and most of it was because of, of accidents that happened after – restarts or things like that so um but yeah look taking the racing product in another hugely competitive indycar race and scotty mclaughlin was arguably denied a victory um a slow pit stop but he was screwed by indycar's uh close the pits rule which is ridiculous and had to pass he went from 15th to second in the last 20 laps it was an awesome drive and all of that was like I think there were three cars that shunted in front of him, but he passed everyone else. It was a it was full drive. send, wasn't it? Yeah. Like even that move on Plough at the end, like yep. absolute full send. And Great move. got within a tenth of a second of winning the bloody race. I mean, mm. if it wasn't if the race went a lap longer, it was if the race went a corner longer, he would have won it. So, well, he, yeah, it was alongside. He would have got Scotty into turn one. It was it was absolutely on. So great and drive. Don't forget, he uh, too picked up his second pole of the year, mm. and he's now one more pulse for the captain than anyone else in the history of that whole organization. What, what yeah. a start. Pretty remarkable. Pretty remarkable. Isn't it? The other but, set that I thought was amazing too, Mark, I think you mentioned in our little group chat was uh closest finish. Was it in IndyCar on a street track? On a street mm. circuit ever. Yeah. Mm. And Scott Dixon, like the bloke's 42 years of age. Yeah. He's, he's now clear second all time winners list in the history of IndyCar and American open wheel racing which dates back a hundred years, uh, the, the guys are phenomenal. And all of a sudden back in championship calculation and very, very much, much so. in championship yeah. calculation. So the, the two old blokes of IndyCar racing, Will Power and Scott Dixon looking amazing and, and through a really tough day where he, he copped a whack in the gearbox and, and had gear sync issues and all sorts of stuff over the weekend. Will still managed to come out of Nashville leading the championship going into gateway and a short right. over where, the Penske cars have been very, very strong this year. So, yeah, it's uh, shaping up for a really good finale. But, Mark, even Scotty at, what, 57 points off the lead, not out of contention at no. all. No, he goes and wins next weekend. It's uh, mm. it's all on. Even Dixon's car was stuffed. He had a crash. Yep. Plow's thing had the wing hanging off. All the cars were mounted by Scotty the time. was the only one who didn't have a shunt. And even then he bashed wheels with um, Pato Award when he was passing him. So, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Dumb track, but you kind of need them every now and then. That's you like do. their Daytona, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, restricted plate racing just in IndyCar terms for sure. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a, a scary track. There's no doubt about it. NASCAR, Mark? Uh, good race, Michigan. Um, the new package really turning up there. It was very good. Good race for NASCAR. Harvick with the win. Uh, the closer got it done. 15th different race winner for the year. So that's uh, big stats. And I think they've got three... Uh, races left before the playoffs. So still a lot to play for there. Bubba Wallace blew the last restart, uh, but he's actually the four man in the field at the moment. He's had four top eights in the last four races and he's on fire, finished second again. Uh, Ty Gibbs came through for a 10th place finish. So if they're looking for a Kyle Busch replacement, uh, 
they have a ready-made one right there who'd be a lot cheaper than Kyle Bush. So it's going to be interesting to see how these next few races pan out and see if we can get more than 16 winners, which will mean that one of the winners has to uh, go home without making the playoffs. Well, there'll be some tough. wild cards in there too. There's uh, yeah. uh, Richmond, Short Oval, Watkins Glen and uh, Daytona. So uh, anything can and probably will happen in that lot. Uh, not much has been happening in Formula One. No, we don't need to talk about that this week. Uh, I think we should dive straight into the Doric Power Rankings. Formula oh. One. Roll the sting. Uh, hot for mine this week. Uh, it has to be the QR updates that Tony Quinn has has put in. And it, it's they're not fundamental. It hasn't. It's not revolutionary. But what it is, is it's transformed what was a pretty average, in some instances, very average facility into a really good facility where there's clearly more to come and there's stuff that's still being done. Uh, but, but little one percenters, I really liked like up in the, that big spectator mound between turn three and turn six, they've installed massive umbrellas along the fence for punters sitting on there. You can still park your car up behind it and sit in the car, but in front there's big brollies for, so there's shade shade over the seating up at, on the entry to turn one, the disabled area up at turn one or the entry two, and then halfway between turn one and two, they were always full over the weekend. So people would get out of their cars, go and sit in there because they were in the shade. And on Sunday in the sun, it was quite warm. So little stuff like that. The pit buildings are great. I'm not hundred percent certain why they haven't done the whole lot yet, but just a cost versus return benefit kind of analysis going on there. I'm sure. Clean toilets. but they are the pit buildings are as good as anything that's in the state or in the country from a racetrack point of view and better than Phillip Island, for example. So that's a massive tick, really well done. And the bathrooms are not only excellent and clean and function, which at that joint they had often the ability of not doing, but there's more of them. They've actually got more now in like in the actual pit building. So like there's options for your bathroom facilities, which the joint never had before. So yeah, full tick and uh, that emphasis. And and it's funny, everyone laughed at Tony when he said the bathrooms are the most important thing. But when you actually go to a venue that either had really terrible bathrooms or none at all, and QR you could argue was in both camps, mm. to having really nice ones and plentiful bathrooms, it actually makes a difference to your experience. And, uh, yep, full credit. I think that worked really well. So hot Queensland Raceway updates. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what it's like in 12 months' time when we go back because I'm sure there'll be much, much more done. Just off the back of that, and I, I hope I'm not stealing your thunder, but while we're still on it, mobile reception. We haven't got to bloody not yet, mate. Oh, so that's all right. So that's all right. You're gonna <laughs> do hot or not, remember? No, that's all right. I was just getting in early. And I give you the tip. It's not going to be in the hot, Shebex. No, I didn't think it would be. We'll get to that shortly, Mark. Uh, I'll go with young guns, sort of second and third generation people. Jet Johnson, I thought that was awesome. As a Dickie Johnson fan from way back, seeing young Jet really step up. I mean, I I was pretty close to what was going on when he started in the Hyundai's, but to see him really progress now to where he's genuinely competitive, that is very cool to see. And Lex Kelly, Lex Kelly's back. Mm. He was the kid who got us through the rubbish that was 2020. And whenever we had the power rankings, he was, it was either hot when he was on the TV or is not when he had a weekend off. So uh, Lex is back. That's huge. 
And great interview with uh, Rick Kelly as well, Mark. Congratulations. Good to uh, have Rico still around. And um, yeah, he's had a bit of time away from things, but uh, still got Is a Is that the first time he's spoken to anyone since he's retired? Well, I believe so, yeah. So yeah. that's cool. So he's got his uh, Hellbent Garage going on there. It'll be a series that'll be starting up on August 21st on all the Castrol and Rick Kelly social channels. Check it out. Fantastic. Uh, my hot, I had a choice of two. My early hot was going to be, well, it may still be actually because uh, Bridges in on racetracks, I think is an absolute hot. I pushed that aside for a second because then my next hot was going to be the spat between commentators and QR management at QR because that has been an absolute freaking laugh to watch and follow over the last couple of days. But I've decided not to comment on that. So I'll go back to Bridges on racetracks. Every racetrack should have a bridge. It is the hottest thing around. Put a bridge on every racetrack, and I think everyone will be happy. We've got a few around, but that one that we saw uh, on the weekend is great. Put a bridge on at Bathurst. Can we have a bridge in the middle of Conrad or so? Conrad well, Strait. got a bridge, though. Yeah, we, uh, hey? Bathurst, there's one track in the world that doesn't need a bridge. It's Bathurst. And there Bathurst? is one. It goes over the tunnel on the chase entry. Can we put one on QR? Will that spice it up a little bit? I don't think it needs spicing up, but yes, that would be the one location where you would add some bridges. I just love it. They look great. They really do. Cars going over them look fantastic. Sure sells Nashville. Absolutely. I definitely want to go there. I asked Jimmy Johnson what his thoughts on bridges are. Yeah, well, don't have a crash earlier and have a broken control arm. That'll fix uh, you crashing off the bridge. Can I just go back to the other one? No. Zach, pull your head No, 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 Shebex. No. No, moving on. Okay. Not, uh, the, the, I've, I've got a couple. Actually, the one little thing I do want to add to Hot that I haven't had a chance to mention, racing car drivers talking to commentators whilst racing, not just on form-up laps, hot. anything like that. Josh Buck and Michael Caruso, Luke King, bloody good job. That's you Brock? Outstanding. You, you have to be worried about Josh Bucken, by the way. Oh, I'm massively worried about Josh Bucken. Just his first, his first ever line, and we've got Josh Bucken here in commentary. Uh, hi, gents. Hi, Nolts. Yeah. Just it's, perfect. Yeah, oh, it, so perfect. They're very – he's outstanding talent, and it's really irritating. And <laughs> and then you've got Molly Taylor, who's very good at TV. You've got Michael Caruso, who's very good at TV. And Fabian Coulthard, who's actually becoming quite quite good at TV, only in his second round. So, um, uh, yeah, ir- irritating. Very concerned about my future. None of them can commentate like you, though, Richard. Oh, that's the worry. I think they can. Um, and they have some credibility as well. Not, uh, I've got two and I couldn't split them. One, spoilers, uh, mobile phone reception at Queensland Raceway. Somehow it has got worse. I don't know how. On Friday, yeah. anyone who was on Optus or Vodafone had like SOS calls only. No. 100%. No data, no internet, no phone calls, SOS only. It was really bad. Like dongles would work for like broadband a little bit, but their actual mobile phones, no good. And it wasn't just one or two people. It was a whole range of them. Uh, and then over the weekend, even Telstra, which was the best of the lot, would have its real its moments where nothing would function and then it would come back to life. So I don't know whether it's the CIA being based at Amberley at the moment with their B2 bombers or yep. something. I don't know. But um, it was bloody how, how terrible. Be, how are B2 bombers, by the way? Uh, yeah, I saw one of those live, do you know? Wow. Yeah, I don't like them. You're not meant anymore. to see them, though. Are you? They're meant to be 
Still, no, no, I, I, not, I don't look at them through radar. You're not supposed um, to be on flight radar twenty four five. Yeah, correct. We're literally over the top of the track. Massive. Thing Crazy. Too. There's four of them based in Amberley at the moment. Um, anyway, I digress. My other knot is that Tony Quinn couldn't be there to see the return of national level racing to the racetrack that he bought and has spent millions of dollars on. So I think that was a, a real negative, but uh, glad he's on the rebound on the mend. Um, I've got a predictive knot. Um, you know, air travel at the moment, there's a lot of kerfuffle going on. A lot of people oh, getting no, screwed no, over no, by please. air travel. Oh, don't please. And, Richard Crail, every time he gets off a jet, he gets on his social media there. Oh, what a great flight, you know. I had a nice back rub in the Qantas Club before I got on. Hosty gave me a phone number. Uh, you know, it's all just premium stuff there. I got a free upgrade. All of this, you know, the karmic retribution that's going to come your way. I can't see a Qantas jet backing into a, into a mountain. I just can't see that happening. You'll wind up getting downgraded to a Jetstar flight that'll wind up being in Bali. In, yeah. It'll be in some two bit mining town and you'll be stuck there forever. That's what's going to happen. I'm worried. That's what's going to happen for you. Coming, coming back from Queensland, the, the race, the IndyCar race on stand was timed. So at, literally at the point of we rotated off Brisbane runway to go airborne, the green flag dropped. And then it, the race finished because it went quite long as I walked off the plane. So the timing Oh, that two-hour, twenty-minute <laughs> flight was just perfect. perfect. So, Qantas um, Ground Control being on the the radio there to Nashville, and they, they were watching. Out. No, I think they were watching the race. So, like, nice. just just do a do a go around, would you? The other, the, look, we did. To be fair, like we had pretty serious issues when we got to Adelaide, though, Mark. Yeah. Because the baggage was supposed to come out on Carousel Four, but it came out on Carousel Three, and for a, no. a minute, it was very confusing. Very confusing. And I had to walk 20 metres to go to the other barrage. First but, world but problem. But otherwise, we were fine. Alan Joyce is going to shred one of your bags one day. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I haven't tweeted him 20 times for 20 days because they lost it. So it's what, not a drama. Was there, was there a, a moment in time where you thought you may have been arrested by the flight marshal due to your constant screaming at the Indi during the IndyCar? No, look, I, I swore audibly when... McLaughlin got stuffed by having to pit under safety car when his closest rivals didn't have to. They timed that stop. I, what, I was, the swear, what would the, did the swear word start with? Well, I'd like this is generally marked as a kid friendly podcast, Shebex. Yeah, so but I'm what did it start with? It. No, well, what that's do you think of, it started with? You know me quite well. Look, that's that's par for course getting on a plane early Monday morning in Brisbane, though. That's yeah, well, yes, so. there, there was. I wasn't the only one swearing. Um, <laughs> P.S. The the. Sneaky security entrance to the Qantas Club in Brisbane is bloody great. Yeah, well, another good, um, good air travel story yeah, there. Well done, Hack. Um, yeah, and then the I, I think the the poor gentleman sitting a seat across from me thought I might be having some form of emotional breakdown because every three minutes <laughs> when there'd be another safety car or something would go wrong in that race, I'd be you know whacking the seat or shaking my head or in disbelief. Um, so I'm very sorry to the people around rows sort of three back to about six uh, on that Qantas flight 661 who had to endure me watching an IndyCar race because I get quite involved, especially now that we know people in them. But, uh, yeah, anyway, what was uh, your real knot rather than just throwing me and my air travel under the bus? Do I need something? Um, weather delays in North American motorsport. Yeah, because that, that, that actually that screwed the Nashville IndyCar race for TV's perspective. Yeah, it ended up being shunted to CNBC, which not everyone gets, and um, 
they wound up playing infomercials in some markets and it was a bit of a cluster, which is a shame for them having a, a banner event like that that doesn't wind up being bro- broadcast. Is this and NASCAR another, went early, didn't they? Yeah. Mm. This may be a whole other podcast, but why don't they have wet tyres in American racing? Well, they, they do. do. Well, not just, NASCARs, do they? No, well, that's yeah, not going to work. It doesn't work on an oval, but, you know, straight circuit IndyCar. I don't know what's worse, being delayed or starting early. I, if a race started early, I'd be really irritated if I was still an hour away from the racetrack more yeah. than there yet. Anyway, uh, that's a podcast for another day. That wraps cool. up our uh, Doric hot or not. Thanks to doric.com.au. Oh, well, we won't worry shop. about mine. Oh, you haven't got there yet. <laughs> oh, well, you did it at the start. You're ragging about these Queensland people going off. No, that's all right. I'll save mine. No, go on. No, no, no. It's no, all no, no, no. You're committed now. Go no. on. Oh, well, my nod is, and I, and I don't want to mention names or anything through this whole knot, but I'll give you a scenario. In a race at Sydney Motorsport Park, under yellow, going down the main straight, a car in front of a car behind us misses a gear and, as a result, severely slows. The driver behind that car has to pull out and, as a result, goes past it, which means he has passed him under yellow. Mm -hmm. It happened all so quickly. That driver then gets a 30-second penalty for doing such. And it wasn't until a DSO had to go and get the facts from the team and present that case to the stewards that the decision was actually overturned. There's got to be more investigation into just judge of fact, that happened, that's it, it's done. If someone comes up with a reason, that reason needs to be listened to as to why and and validated as to whether that is a plausible clause as to what happened. But if it was overturned... Post race, that sounds I, to me like the correct procedure. No, was it, no, no, and it did, but it took a long time for that to happen. There was a lot of no, that's it. We're not even listening to your thing. We've we've decided. We've mm. made the decision. That's it. It took a lot of convincing of the Motorsport Australia officials to make sure that the actual case was listened to, and then the decision was made. All I'm saying is, not everything is what it seems, and I think that that needs to be taken into consideration sometimes. Mm. As, especially if someone comes and says, hang on, can you have a look at this? At least look at it. Yeah. Well, that's and that's why categories employ driver standards, advisors and Correct. race directors. And things as like a that. mediator between the two. At least it worked out. Yeah, yeah, well, it did in the end. We could have avoided that not. It didn't really matter in the end. No, it was good. Uh, thank you, boys. Very good. Weekend off. There's no car racing of note to speak of this weekend. No, we'll have a nice quiet oh. weekend at the footy. And no. uh, Yes, Mark? State, state level, heaps oh, going on. Queens, Queensland, there's the Hyundai Excel World Championships where they've got the two-driver race and all the superstars are coming out to play. That'll be good. Fantastic. And Vic State at Sandown. So. Oh, Vic State at Sandown will be a very good one to go to. Yep. Who's calling that Queensland Excel race, by the way? No, actually, that's not. Oh, Jesus. All right. It won't, be, it won't be Darren. He'll be down in Melbourne at Sandown. If he's got a voice, poor old, a- poor old dad's had a, a bit of a barry on the weekend. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, exactly. And we'll catch you again next week right here on The Grid.